chapter 6. I want to begin this morning with where we left off last week, kind of a pickup um, of a couple of things that will also serve as introduction this morning into uh, getting into Acts chapter 6. So we are, we're in week two of a four-week Bible study um, titled Diakonos. That's the Greek word for minister or servant or more, uh, more literally, waiter of the table. So um, we're looking at this particular word as our, as our elders are looking to identify and eventually install deacons in the life of the Heritage Church. We're looking at what it means to be and live out diakonos. Um, as a waiter, a servant, and one of the things we talked about last week was uh, deacon is simply servant. And there's a couple of things that are worth refreshing our, mem- our minds about if you were here last week. If you weren't here, it's worth making note of. When it comes to that word diakonos, uh, that word in the original language is used 29 different times. But you're not going to find deacon, for instance, 29 times in your English translation. Because the word is so synonymous with servant or minister um, and in and and an ancient text waiter that depending on the context and the determination of the translators they're going to define that word they're going to translate that word uh, different ways so the word itself diakonos and there's actually other forms of diakonos so the count goes up even after that this will be one of those instances in acts chapter 6 where we see that but the word diakonos is used 29 different times and so if you come across deacon and um, there's a chance if you come across the word servant, it's the original word diakonos. And so when I say deacon simply means servant, we're talking about the word diakonos, which is simply a way of identifying a servant person, right? Someone who we can take the imagery of someone who is waiting on the table. Someone who's going to the people at the table and taking care of those people in that instance, in that moment. And so the word becomes synonymous. And so what happens is, as we're going to see in Acts chapter 6, though the word is never, the word deacons never used here, we begin to see that the first church, the early church, begins to see the benefit, right? Begins to see the, the need of having those who live out diakonos within the community. And so while the word is, is, is about servant and minister, and we're all called to that, that's one of those aspects that we, we talked about last week. Everyone is a deacon, including Jesus. He looked at John chapter 13 for that reference in particular. Everyone is a deacon. Everyone is a deacon. Everyone is a deacon. Because we're all called to be servants, ministers, waiters of the table. And Jesus shows that in John chapter 13. Um, But we also get that in Jesus' teachings as well. And I've got three quick instances, three different verses, and I'm going to replace, uh, I'm going to actually speak the word, uh, the original word diakonos until the last one. But uh, as an example, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says, The greatest among you will be your diakonos. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's the word Jesus uses, right? We translate it servant, but you could also say deacon because the same idea is true. 
the greatest among you will be your diakonos, will be your waiter of the table. Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus called the 12, and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the diakonos of all, the servant of all, the deacon of all, the waiter of all. And then in John uh, chapter 12, verse 26, I'm taking the word diakonos, and I'm actually going to translate it into deacon. Whoever deacons me must follow me and where I am. Uh, follow me and where I am, my deacon must also be. My father will honor the one who deacons me. That's the word diakonos to which Jesus uses. Whoever diakonos me must follow me. Whoever serves, right? So Jesus not only demonstrates what it looks like to be a deacon or a servant or a waiter in John chapter 13. This is the teaching to which he has been giving throughout his entire ministry. And every single one of us are called to be in Jesus' example. Every single one of us are deacons. We're all servants. And so this morning I want to start, uh, I want to encourage conversation as, as, I, as I like to do. Um, you've heard me talk enough already. So I would love to hear other thoughts to contribute to the conversation. And as we get into Acts chapter 6, I want to start with this. I want to start with a question about our community, our church, for just a second. Thinking about where we kind of began last week and, and left off and kind of working ourselves into Acts 6, how might heritage encourage one another to deacon? How, how, yeah, thank you, Chris. How might heritage encourage one another to diakonos? And we are recording, right? We are recording this week. So um, uh, Chris is going to run around with the microphone, and that's not, that, one, it is helpful because everybody can hear you in the room, but it's also helpful for the recording to hear your, your question and conversation. So um, if you're willing to go, I would love to hear at least three different thoughts here. Uh, to get us started, how might heritage, this context, this church, encourage one another to deacon, to diakonos? Okay, we'll start with Kristen. Thank you. I believe that's two weeks in a row that Foshis have kicked us off and taken the You're plunge. welcome. Uh, maybe by encouraging one another to serve the kids and teach the kids yeah. classes. I, I seriously, because if they're the ones who are, um, who haven't made their choice yet, this is like my platform. I love to talk about it, but the children are the ones who need the adults to build it, play into their lives. And, um, if not me, then who? So, and yes, I've signed up. Thank you, Kristen. I think that's what, and while that's a, that's a um, pretty quick, immediate example, right, the idea of encouraging, right, Paul says spur one another on, uh, which is encouragement, right? How can we find those ways to breathe kind of encouragement into each other's life is a way that service is lived out, not only in the one who encourages, but it encourages those to serve, right, in different ways. Sorry, Bob. I think one way we can encourage one another is by if there's something we're going to do to serve somebody, take somebody with us. Mm. I think that's a way to encourage them, encourage your relationship, encourage the service as a whole. But 
I just think that's an easy way of plugging someone into something you're already doing and, you know, deepening that relationship and just a lot of things, a lot of good things happen by that, just by being mindful of taking someone with you. Yeah. So. Invitation. Yeah. Right. Uh, an invitation to be a part of, to come along, to learn, to know, experience. What was that? Come alongside. I thought you said courtside, and I thought, oh, you're inviting me to a Thunder game. That's wonderful. Yeah, is there one more thought, at least one more thought to this question? How can we at Heritage encourage one another to deacon or to diaconos? Mm. Betty over here. Chris, thank you. I would like to encourage the women to encourage their husbands to become deacons because I've been a deacon's wife and an elder's wife, a deacon's wife, and those are friendships that you make forever. And, and that's the greatest encouragement hmm. that we had with the children were the deacon's wives. Yeah. So I would encourage all of the deacons the women to encourage their yeah. husbands to become deacons. Yeah. I hear circle language in there. Right. Right? Friendships forever. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, we're going to turn, let's, let's turn into Act 6, which, okay, so here's what I want to do. We, we began with thinking about our heritage context, our heritage community, and we're going to be very specific in thinking about Acts, the first church, for a few moments. And then I'm going to come back into speaking into the heritage context, heritage church, a little bit, um, out of Acts 6. So um, I'm, not, I'm not saying don't speak in the heritage, as we, but my focus is going to be really paying attention to Acts chapter 6. Because where we find the first church is we find themselves in a moment of crisis, which is really the second crisis that the church has, has experienced. And, and as we began last week's message in Acts chapter 2, right, all the believers were together, and they had everything in common, right? That church that was growing exponentially and had great unity in spirit also faced crises, right? We had an Ananias and, and Savarus, those, thank you, that word, that person. Uh, we had it there, and now we have another conflict. And so one of the things that we can learn very quickly is that if the first church had, had crisis and conflict, every church is going to have crisis and conflict. And so one of the things that we're, one of the goals I have with Acts 6 is that we're going to pay attention to how the church addresses it. You know, how they see the, the path forward when there is a crisis. So, Acts chapter 6, um, and I think this will speak into as we start talking about, as we look at diakonos uh, more and more and kind of funnel it down into the heritage church. Uh, Acts chapter 6, let me pick up in verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews uh, among them complained against the, uh, the Hebraic 
these Hebraic Jews, man, words are hard all of a sudden, <laughs> because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So we have our crisis, we have our problem. There are a segment of the church that is being forgotten. Uh, verse 2, so the 12, uh, the 12 disciples uh, gathered all, uh, the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Um, okay. The conflict, okay, the conflict or the issue that is that has come to the church. There is a segment of people not being fed, not being taken care of. They're being forgotten. And what happens here is, is that we have a serious issue that arises, and, and the apostles immediately take action. And we're going to talk about uh, this, how that that goes, but I want to focus in on the conflict for a second because I'm taking care of God's people taking care of uh, the forgotten or the outcast is not anything new, right? Uh, most, uh, a lot of, I won't say most, but a lot of the first church is, is made up of, of Jewish Christians and Jewish society in of itself would have had systems in place to help the needy and in particular, the widows, right? But now we find ourselves with a church that has an isolation problem, right? And that somewhere along the line, there's a group of people who are being, being forgetting these, these, uh, these Greek widows, these Hellenistic widows are being forgotten. And the, the, the conflict now is there because there's, like in any conflict, one of two things could happen. And I, I guess I'll go ahead and point this out. The way the apostles approached conflict, I think, helps the entire situation. Because verse 7 is not a foregone conclusion. Because there is a group of people being forgotten. And how the leadership sees the problem and addresses it, I think, is crucial here. They don't justify why they're not getting fed. Right? They don't, well, they don't make excuses for what's happening. What do they do? They immediately go to solve the conflict, the issue. And um, it might be easy. I, I wrote this down as I was preparing, but it might be easy to think verse 7 in particular is a foregone conclusion, that this wasn't really a serious issue. Because um, Luke book, book ends it with positive, right? The church is growing. Conflict, the church continued to grow. I think what we have here is Luke's helping us understand with his bookends, not that it's a foregone conclusion, but this could have gone very badly. That this could have split the church very quickly. And how leadership responded to it 
I think is, a, is, a, is an important aspect to this. Um, uh, let's see here. Verse 7, uh, so the solution that the, that the apostles come up with is what? Let's get somebody to do this. So, so let me start here as we kind of talk about the conflict for a moment. Let me invite conversation. What differences are there between the ministry of the word of God and waiting on tables? Because the word, uh, the, the phrase there here in the NIV that the, that the apostles use, waiting on tables, is a form of diakonos. The, the apostles are saying we need people to quite literally diakonos in this moment. So what's the difference here? Let's start there. Why did these disciples see a difference in the ministry of the word and the waiting of the tables? What do you think? One is managing the people and then shepherding the flock. Okay. The people and the flock versus the administrative duties of taking care of the parents uh, of meeting the needs of the people of the church. Yeah. Spiritual versus physical need. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Mel. <laughs> to expand on that, um, I think they're both very important things. And, um, and so that division of labor makes it possible to prioritize both yeah and you, there is there is certainly an importance placed on it right uh the disciple the keep their apostle the the apostles in the moment could have just taken care of the situation themselves i think that was an option right but there's a value on understanding how how community functions in these moments or just in general, but especially in moments of, of crisis. So yeah, there, there, there's not giving up one value for the other, it's complementary, right? Understanding those differences, uh, I think it's important. What, why, why uh, someone either affirm or, or kind of push back a little bit? I've said a couple times that verse seven is not a foregone conclusion. So how is the conclusion of Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, how is that resolution, how is verse 7 up in the air in those first six verses? In other words, how does the, the apostles' view of the ministry of the word and the waiting on tables inform how this situation is going to go? Because it, could, it can go in many different ways through a moment like this. So how is that still up in the air, so to speak? Last week, y'all y'all wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> yes. Oh, Melissa's well, gonna. Sorry. Thank you, Melissa. Sorry, I I wanted to make myself known, so that was the way to do it. Um, so my first thought on this conflict is, you've got two different groups of people. You've got the Hellenistic Jews other Jews and one group is saying our people are not being taken care of properly and if 
the apostles had not handled it quickly, that I see could become a real easy divisive moment in a church group. Um, you know, an us versus them kind of situation that could that could form. So for them to handle this, say it's not us versus them, it's all of us. We are all taking care of our people together. Then that makes the word of God spread. Yeah. Verse seven. Yeah. So how does the ministry of the word of God? Uh, how does that take care of feeding widows? Think of it in those terms for a second. Joy. Thank you, Chris. Well, the way I look at it is that there's two ministries going on here. There's the ministry of teaching and the ministry of serving. And we see the end result is that the church grew. So both, both ministries, they were still teaching. Yep. Teaching by example or preaching. Yeah. And um, <coughs> uh, what I'm, a, I'm not disagreeing with you. On this, but I'm trying to flesh this idea out just a little bit. But to that point as well, if if you go back, if everyone is diakonos, if everyone's a deacon, then how come the the, the apostles themselves, the the actual uh, disciples of Jesus, are not the ones taking care of care of this, right? So I, I, that, I don't think that I don't think that is in conflict, but I think it's worth fleshing out just a little bit. We'll go to Luke and then back over to Brent. But there in verse four, you know, we say the ministry of the word um, that's there at the end. The original word is the service of the word. Um, so it's the same word that's being used when talking about the tables in verse one. Um, so it's they're both being deacons. Um, in the sense of being servants, it's just the apostles seem to be saying, we want to designate yep. certain men to take care of the tables. We are going to be in the service um, or the ministry. Um, same concept, but of the word rather than uh, of tables. So they are doing it. They're just seeing uh, a different emphasis in yeah. what they want to see. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Oh, Kate, then Brent. Sorry, Kate, interject Sorry. yourself, Brent. It keeps Brent. Chris from having to go over there. And <laughs> oh, there. I was going to make him. He'd get a step count in, but, you know. Um, I think a lot of times the leadership can, like you said, the, the apostles could have just taken care of it themselves. And as leaders, it's often the easier way to do it. I'll just, we'll just get it done. But there is value to the leaders spending time in prayer and teaching, and that those are very important roles for the leaders and the elders, the apostles of the church. And a lot of times those leaders can get caught up in the administration and in the day-to-day, -day, and it takes, you only have so many hours in the day, and so it takes time away from the prayer and the teaching, and that is a high bar for elders and apostles to be able to do. So it's important to bring other people in so they can take care of that administration and they can feed and serve people in the, like what um, Christian was saying, in the, the spiritual versus the physical, that there is spiritual feeding going on when the leaders, the apostles, are praying for people and teaching them. And it, they can't do it both. Yeah. Thank you. Brent? While he's going that way. See, now that I have my own mic, I'm just going to... Just wait, Brent. 
Melissa wants to talk. I, uh, I was just going to say, sorry. No, you're good. We're um, totally this has, good. This has very strong Moses-Jethro conversation vibes when, when Jethro came to him and said, why are you doing absolutely everything yourself? De delegate. Delegate. Because everyone needs to be involved and you're going to burn out. Yeah. Good. I like anyone who can bring in Jethro into the conversation. <laughs> Brent? Do I even want to talk after that? No. <laughs> Um, actually, I do. Surprise. Um, in verse 5, I think there's a lot of wisdom. You actually see from the origin of the names that they actually selected Hebraic, I, I guess is how you pronounce it, which Travis wasn't pronouncing. So Hebraic <laughs> and Hellenistic um, uh, deacons. And I think that that is key. You don't only give it over to the people who feel they're oppressed. You actually take everybody in the church and represent together. And actually, they were supposed to work together. That, to me, just shows how much it's important for us to include everybody in this and not just a little group of us or subset of us for serving as deacons, but it's actually to represent people that don't agree with each other. These two communities, as you said, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. They were a little bit at war with each other. They were potentially not even talking to each other. And the apostles come through and say, you'd pick. But it's interesting. It's the church that picks it, not the apostles. The apostles did not say, okay, I have these seven yeah. people for you. No. They said, you church, select seven. They didn't say seven, I don't think. But they said, they select people. Yeah. And they selected and then there is glory to God. Also, as you said, the Jewish people had a system in place to deal with this issue. If the church had not solved this, that would be a inverse witness <laughs> to Jesus. It would actually put his name in a very bad light to yeah. society. And you see that verse seven actually says it increased rapidly. And in, in other places it says that they have the approval of all people. You're going to correct me. They did say seven. So, just letting you know. <laughs> I, I think, so let, let's use that, uh, these last few, these last couple of comments, let's, let's use that to kind of tr uh, start focusing a little bit for a couple minutes on the solution that has come up, right? Because the conflict or the issue um, is, is what is, 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 what is going on is, is how the, is the apostles move forward in the sense that they're going to take care of this. And what really strikes me and, and it, about Acts 6 is that this is an ultra-specific, particular situation. And it's not until this very specific situation that the apostles are like, oh, we need diakonos, right? But this has to be involved. It's not a general ministry, okay, which is, you know, we're going to get there on, on some of those conversations. But here it's very specific. We've got an issue. There is something that needs to be served or waited on. There's a table that's not being waited on. And the, and the apostles say, here's how we're going to move forward. So the solution then becomes, we're going to find seven within the church that are going to wait on this particular table. 
and the procedure of going of identifying and also going moving forward with this particular situation is pretty practical and straightforward in that sense right but also note that in acts chapter 6 the apostles do not they don't over explain the job the goal is feed these women they're not being taken care of they don't say we need you to do it you know, three times a day, make sure it's twice a day, make sure you do it six days a week or whatever it is. They say, your, your task is to do this. You'll figure it out. And they involve the church, as Brent mentions, into this. And so the solution then becomes very instructive about how to take, or it becomes very practical in the sense that we're going to get people to take care of waiting on this particular table, right? And so what do you, you know, when you think about how the apostles kind of, uh, Push this particular plan, if you will, this this way of solving the crisis or the issue. What's what what stands out to you? What's significant, in other words, about the apostles' plan to to find waiters for this particular table? What's significant here for you? Larry, thank you. First, they, um, they, they don't just say fix the problem. You know, they don't tell the congregation fix the problem. They have a plan, and they explain why they're not doing it. They say, we have a task at hand. We're the ones that need to devote ourselves to prayer. But they come up with qualifications. They say, you pick men, you pick men that are full of, of faith. So they have a plan. They explain why they don't do it themselves, and then they present that to the to the people. Yeah, yeah. Their the apostles' response is not haphazard in any way. It is thoughtful in of itself, right? But but one of the big takeaways here is we've we've got, and th I think this is a, in a lot of ways kind of this basis for a passage like First Corinthians chapter twelve, where there's one body but many parts, right? Oh, it's not one body in one part. There's different abilities and skills and, and, and people that are involved here. But from you know, leadership, it's, hey, we, this has to be taken care of, but there's a thoughtfulness into how this is going to be taken care of because we need godliness, right? It's not, just, it's not just bring, you know, you ever had the waiter who just brings you, you know, your water? I had one, one time with her thumb in the water. I'm like, oh, she's just walking through the motions here. She's not even trying at this point, right? It's not just getting it done. It's doing it in a way that exemplifies and shares Jesus Christ, right? Which is also the example of the church. So I think there's thoughtfulness there. I think that that's incredibly important. Any other thoughts? Brandon, thank you. Carly just whispered in my ear, I don't even need the microphone. Thank you. I'm, I know I'm loud. Uh, I was just going to say that it's interesting the calling is not, um, hey, we need you to come and be the best at this, or we need you to come and be in a leadership role out in front. It goes back to the conversation of last week. Um, it's basically we need you to come and serve, right? And so it's interesting because that is totally juxtaposed to what the world is. Right, like there's this hierarchy, and I got to work my way up, and you moved up now, and so now you're in this higher role, and now you're over all of this, and it's not about that. There's never a vibe of, 
oh, now you're moving into this new leadership role. But it is a leadership role, but it's about servant leadership, right? The way Jesus modeled it for us. So I think that stands out as it's, to me, is their solution wasn't let's put a bunch of people in charge of it. Let's find a bunch of servants. And I think that's a really interesting way to think of it, especially compared to this world. Yeah, and I think, you know, to go right along that particular thought, like if you play out, if you play out this church in of itself, you know, if, if, if things go well, these seven men are working themselves out of jobs, right? Because ultimately the church is learning unification and community, right? They're, you know, like as, as I think Brent pointed out how there's, there probably is some cultural conflicts within this particular church. And, but ultimately, you know, these guys are coming to serve and take care of. And if things go well, they're going to work themselves out of the gig, which is ultimately, I think, what you want out of your servants, right? Is because then there's, there, the circle grows, if you will, right? The, 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 the bandwidth of service of the ability of service grows from that point, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, we do need to take care of these people, right? It's now on our radar and the church is now taking responsibility for that in those sense. And I think it's also important to, to point out um, that the seven men uh, that the church uh, chooses and the apostles affirm, um, the list of names are remarkably Greek, that the minorities that are being forgotten in the church are now going to, the, the ones tasked to help solve the problem are the minorities. Not the ones, in, you know, that you would, like, and I think that goes to the cultural aspect of the church as well. That I think there's this, there's this, there's a ministry of food distribution, right? And what, what the church decides is, those best suited for this are, are the ones who, who already have relationship with in some respect, some kind of commonality here. But ultimately, that doesn't just stay within those Greek background Christians. It becomes the church's responsibility to care and to move forward. Right? This is a, this is a step in that particular process and figuring out. And so Acts 6 uh, verses 1 through 7 in a lot of ways becomes a paradigm that the church has used for a long time of helping identify particular jobs that we need servants in, that we need waiters. Like, it's a way, it's a paradigm that has said, oh, here's, some, here's a table, we need waiters over there. Right, here's a table, we need some waiters over here. And the church has used this as a, as a paradigm of identifying diakonos or deacons. But I think even more importantly than that, Acts 6 is a reminder that waiting on tables has an enormous spiritual implication to, to the witness of Jesus Christ. Church that, that, isn't, that is forgetting, you know, widows, for instance, is not the church of Jesus, Right? And so Acts 6, while it is used as a paradigm, it is the only real instance, it's the only instance in Scripture that we have, and the word deacon's not even used here, but it's the only instance we have where there's some kind of process that we see that a lot of churches will build their process out of because it's the only instance that we have in the New Testament where, it's, where we have servants being installed for particular tasks. We got a table, no one's waiting on it, we need waiters. 
It's the only instance we have, the example of, is Acts chapter 6. So that paradigm makes sense, but I think bigger picture here is that we have to have ministry of the word and we have to have ministry of the tables. That's how community seems to help elevate the, the spiritual implications of sharing Jesus Christ because that's how Jesus operated. He had ministry of the word, but Jesus was very much a ministry of the tables kind of person as well. And so I got a few minutes. Let's kind of focus this in just a little bit. As I said, I wanted to get back to the heritage context using Acts 6 as, as this. And if you want to, I'm not saying we're throwing Acts 6 out now. We can't talk about it. I think it all, it all comes together a little bit, but at least a couple of questions here. What can we glean from this passage uh, for the heritage church? Uh, and, and that sense is I'm not looking for anything in particular. I'm saying just from you and from what, as we've been talking about it, we read it again, we've had this conversation. You know, what are some practical things that we can glean from Acts chapter 6 that makes sense for the Heritage Church of Christ in 2022, if that makes sense. And Larry's going to kick us off with that one. Well, one thing about this whole passage tells me how important communication is. Because the Greeks could have just said, we're just going to leave. You know, they're not taking care of our people. We're just going to leave. Mm -hmm. and, but they didn't. They said, we have a problem. We need to have it fixed. The apostles took the whole church together and said, this is how we want it done. Explain it, why they weren't doing it. And said, we need to, you need to pick seven men full of faith to take care of the problem. So communication, I think, is key. We have yeah. to be talking. If there's issues, we need to talk about it. And elders need to talk to the congregation about issues. So I think that's very important. Yeah. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. That that point right that communication was right and it's the apostles say hey they didn't they didn't pull they didn't get all these committees together they said church here's the issue you know whether they knew about it or didn't know that wasn't the point the point was okay we got a problem we're gonna we're gonna solve it now and the whole church is gonna be involved in this because it's and that's part of that communication aspect right there's openness here that that really i think is a is a hugely important aspect of all leadership, but in particular, God's church, right? Uh, sorry, Jim. And then we'll come over to Bob. Well, I was just going to say that they appointed seven men over this one issue, or this one area, not just one. Sometimes one is not enough. So uh, it's too much of a load for one person to carry. So keep that in consideration. Yeah. Yeah, and there's different theories as it comes to Bob and then Christian and Luke. And there's different, you know, is it one per day of the week, right? right? Is, you know, how do they come to seven? But there's some kind of logic there. But to that point is they see this issue and it's this is not a one person job, right? It's communal, but we need different. We need this is how many waiters we need at this table, right? Because we need to take care of this and take care of these people. Bob, you know, this I think you've alluded to this fact. It's the first time we see the, appoint, the appointing of deacons, if you will. But it's so different than how we have historically done it in the church. We, we put forward men and then we find jobs for them. Rather than there's a job that needs to be done, here's some men to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like exactly opposite. And so it's, you would like to see it 
in the church where hey, we have an issue here. Here are some godly men that we could put in that position to, to take care of that. And so it's a, it's a different way of looking at that, I think. Yeah, kind of an inverse way of the way has always done it in the church. Yeah, and and uh, as Christian takes it to that point as well, it not simply crisis or issue, but just ministry and service, right? Because especially as a church that's looking to build, I, and I've said this before publicly in the last few weeks, I think our our ministry and service opportunities are going to grow exponentially, right? And that's a communal concern, right? So it's not just like, oh, we got to wait for conflicts to have servants. One, we're all servants, but two, we ought to be paying attention to where those areas of service need to be for all people, right, Christian? Yeah, so I just wanted to point out, um, just kind of in line with what Jim was saying, is uh, I, I don't know that, you know, these seven men were carrying every bag of groceries themselves. Yep. Um, and I wanted to also just recognize that Melissa does an amazing job as a deacon in this church, as a servant, with taking out, uh, just taking on and organizing everyone who's helping with service, that kind of stuff, because she makes sure that it happens. And that's really all you have to do when you're in yep. charge of it, is if you need to get out there and pour the water, you pour the water. Or if you need to say, hey, I need help with this because I've got too much right yep. now. You ask for help and just make sure that it's covered. Yeah. So. No, and back to it, but I really appreciate the, the overall point, right? It's, uh, they're not, they're not carrying the bags of groceries themselves. I mean, they are, but they're, as I, working themselves out of the job is part of getting the church involved in this, right? It's communal, it's a communal concern, but now we need some waiters at this table to help take care of this, right? Work on this minister to them because it's ministering of itself right and organizing people and you know making those phone calls sending those texts and all those kinds of things whatever it is everyone serves i think that's an incredibly important aspect right all are called into into deaconship i think that's a word luke yeah it, it is now i don't know deaconship is a word it, in verse one you know it says that the widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of food, but that is service that's going on. It's just going on poorly. And so these seven men are, you know, called to do it better. To the extent that the church is attuned to the service needs of what's going on without minimizing deacons, but like in an official capacity, the official capacity's job is easier. You, know, you don't need these seven men if the service of the daily distribution of food actually included all who were in need. Yeah. And so, yes, deacons are important, and we need godly people to fill that role. We also need a congregation that's attuned to the service needs and ensure that, it's, that those things are happening well and correctly um, to either minimize the need for deacons or to make their job easier and help serve those who have an official kind of organizational sure. role there. But, yeah, service is going on. It's just going on poorly. And so At least need, in this case, In right? this case, yes. Yeah. That's what I mean. So we need Where seven to... And again, I, I don't think, and, and to, the, to these two points in particular, which we have, I think, overall, I've tried to say this in some ways. I think Morgan had his hand up. Chris, if you want to make your way, I'll say this real quick as you get to Morgan. You know, the, the seven men aren't to just do the job. It's, it's, it's getting the community involved in the job, in the service, right? And, you know, practically, we can see that when we, when we adopted our Afghan friends, Right? 
um, we have someone who, who's, who's a point person, but that was a communal aspect of taking care of and providing for refugees, right? I think, you know, that, that plays into it. It's not just a person or a group. It's the churches, but there is service already going on, but uh, we gotta, we've got to make sure this is going better, right? So we have to have some focus in that. All right, Morgan. One thing I noticed in this is that the, the apostles didn't say, find you some men who have professional experience in geriatric food distribution and let them do this thing. I don't know how many times that, well, I can tell you how many times I've been involved in building a church's website because that's what I do professionally, but I haven't been asked to do anything else or if i've tried to do anything else it's like oh you don't have experience in that sorry we have a way of pigeonholing people into the church based on what they do in the world professionally and there might not necessarily be that overlap there may be people who just want to serve and to do and we have lots of jobs to do and maybe they don't have experience in that 20 years worth of doing but they're still willing to serve. And that's something that the church can be doing is not to just say, not to self-select who is allowed to serve in a particular ministry based off of what they're professionally known for. Instead, recognize that we all have gifts at some level to do something. And sometimes that gift is just being there. the, 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 The requirement of the job is following Jesus. Don't look any further than the disciples I talked about this morning. They're not qualified to to, to go be apostles down the road. But Jesus calls them nonetheless. Because, uh, so, I I, I very much appreciate that. We're not going to just pigeonhole ourselves. Okay, Bobby's got the last word. Because the children are loose. I I was just going to say, it just doesn't read to me like this is a professional title that they're be, being given. Yep. It reads to me, um, like you've been stating over and over, that this is, um, this is an adjective. They are servants. They are, they are those who serve, and, and that describes, should describe church, not a select few. Yeah. I appreciate that last thought because I think that is a huge aspect. It's that paradigm, why I think makes sense. It's also the bigger picture of, of community too, right? And uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue with this next week. Sorry, I went over. I'm sure I'm gonna hear about it. So uh, have a great Sunday. Enjoy your connection groups tonight.